Hey, welcome to night school. And it is Labor Day. It is Labor Day. See, we won't say days of the week out loud that are not Thursday, but we will say holidays. Holidays are not days of the week that aren't Thursday, even if they fall on days that aren't Thursday. And that this whole Thursday joke is probably really old by now, but is it a joke? Is it a belief? Is it a genuine belief? Rather than a joke, is there a difference between my beliefs and my jokes? Are my beliefs my jokes? Maybe. It's camouflage. I camouflage my beliefs in the form of jokes. People say that. There's that whole, I can't, I can't remember the exact cliche phrase, but there's that phrase about how uh, behind every joke there's a truth. That might be it. <laughs> behind every joke there's a truth. Therefore, if you joke, I can accuse you of, of believing horrible things. Sometimes it's true. And this episode is actually going to be about camouflage, psychological camouflage. It was a phrase that I, I came up with this morning. I mean, I don't know that I came up with that. I'm sure somebody else has used that phrase before. But uh, what made me think of it was... The way that advertising is camouflaged, and I was thinking of that in light of the last episode, which is about the more mundane ways that AI and technology wages psychological warfare on us through, you know, robo-telemarketers, spam emails, CAPTCHA forms, and I was, I noticed, you know, particularly there's certain sites, certain social media sites where the ads are embedded and they're made to look exactly like the posts of followers or the, uh, who, these words, man, uh, they're made to look exactly like the posts of people you follow. And it can be tricky. Even someone like me who, you know, I see an ad and it's immediately recognizable. You know, it, I'm not easily tricked by ads. But there's one particular site where they do a very good job at tricking you. And it's camouflage. And it's interesting to me that advertising relies on that to a large degree. It seems like the more control that you have over the media you're consuming... The more, the more control you have over what you're accessing, the more advertising has to camouflage itself. Because with TV, there was no need. TV commercials, you know, while they tried to be funny or entertaining or whatever it is they try to do, memorable, they didn't try to appear as anything other than TV commercials. Maybe that's changed. Maybe they've made attempts to do otherwise. But for the most part, I can't think of any TV commercial where they... I guess there there are some that have come about in the last few years during football games where you'll be watching an NFL game and it'll show the very same announcers, the very same commentators like Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. It'll show them and they'll be talking about a game... And then it'll get surreal, and they start referring to some sort of product. It's it, I wouldn't be able to break it down, but they use this. The commercial uses the same announcers or commentators that are actually announcing the game you're watching. Uh, 
but it's a pre-filmed segment uh, designed to advertise a product. And it's and they basically take a game and make it very surreal so that you go, wait, what's going on? And then you realize that it's an advertisement. You'd have to actually see it to know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's the only example I can think of offhand where I've seen a TV commercial not only try to camouflage itself as something other than a commercial, but do it very effectively. Because this particular form of commercial that I'm talking about is, it really does trick you. And it's tricked me multiple times. It's tricked me multiple times. But with the internet, where we have that much more control over what we consume and we can avoid, because, you know, with, with TV, I think the reason they haven't had to hold you hostage or sorry, not rather, not hold you hostage, but the reason they haven't had to camouflage advertisements is because you're sort of a hostage. You're watching this thing, you're focused on it. Yeah, you can change the channel, but each channel has the same procedure as far as, you know, parts of a show, commercials, you know, segment of a show, commercials. So the format is the same no matter what, but online you can effectively avoid... Batty knocked his blanket off of the couch. I'm going to just put that back up here for him because he looks sad. Normally I would have paused it, but that's what I was doing. But yeah, with, with TV, you're focused on this, you know, this single object... Whereas with the internet, you know, you're looking at all kinds of things, you're multitasking, you're going all over the place, and you're not just watching something, you know, in the same fashion you would TV. So as a result, advertising had to camouflage itself. And I guess I don't want this to be some sort of like college course on advertising. Let's analyze advertising. You ever think about what the advertisers do? You know, I don't want it to be that way. Uh, we're going to go deeper than that. But it did have me think. Like, I was, I had the thought where I was like, is this, are these camouflaged ads on social media a form of that mundane AI warfare that I was talking about in the last episode and that I've talked about previously? And I don't think they are. Because the ads, while they're disguised, while they're camouflaged to appear as regular posts. Hi, I'm a regular post. They are, are, you know, they're placed there very deliberately by people who are trying to sell you something. And, you know, maybe there's an argument to be made that they do fit into this AI techno warfare that I'm referring to. Because I think these things all bleed into each other. These things aren't totally unrelated, um, but I, I don't. I don't think it fits directly into the same category as robo telemarketers, captcha, spam email. I mean, I guess it, it could. It, it does. <laughs> so so much for that. It, it does because it's still it's designed by humans and it's programmed by humans, uh, but there is something inhuman about it. Because that's what happens when you see it. It's it, There's something inhuman when you see an advertisement that's designed to appear as something other than an advertisement. 
And for that matter, it's kind of like, you know, a door-to-door salesman. When you know someone is selling you something or you know that somebody has some sort of ulterior motive, even though they are a human being knocking on your door, you see them as less than human and not in the sense that you you're willing to stomp them out like a bug not in the sense that you're like oh this person's less than human it doesn't matter if i bust this baseball bat over his head to get him off my doorstep you know it's not even something like that but you just you don't feel that you are interacting with another human being in an organic way especially the more that they stick to a script and try to push something on you. It happened to me where a kid came to my door trying to sell me another internet service, you know, some sort of competitor to the to the more popular internet service in this area. And you could tell they had given him a script on how to respond to people who weren't interested. It wasn't just that he had a script when you open the door and he introduces himself and tells you what he's selling. He also had a script that he was following when you say you're not interested. And when you know someone is responding to you in that way, you don't feel like you're interacting with a human. And you are, and you have to remember that they are a human and they're just trying to make a living and do a job. And it's very much like telemarketers. You know, I mentioned in in the last episode where people, there's this misdirected anger that people used to have Before the robo-telemarketers, when all telemarketers were real people in call centers, a lot of of people, you know, for good reason, would be angry when telemarketers would call, but they would direct that anger at the person just doing the job. Listen to me. Don't you ever call me. It's dinner time. You know, it's... it's, it's, uh, While that's the person doing it, it's very much misdirected anger to get mad at the door-to-door salesman or to get mad at the human telemarketer. And it says a lot that I even have to make the distinction of a human telemarketer. How soon is it going to be when there's inhuman robots knocking on your door? Robo door-to-door salesman. Robots going door-to-door. Just wait. Just wait. I like the visual of that, at least. These robot salesmen, these polite robot salesmen with, like, wheels instead of feet who just go door-to-door and destroy our sanity. That'll be the last straw. That'll be the death stroke (laughs) of our sanity when robots are just continually going door-to-door trying to sell us things. Um, But, uh... But we do have this feeling when someone is trying to sell us something at our door and they're following a script and they're not there to be our friend. They're not even there to offer us a service that we genuinely need or want. And they don't seem human because we know that their responses are pre-programmed. They are scripted. And even if they are very good, like even if – because like I mean the kid who came to my door and was trying to sell me some sort of internet, some sort of competitive internet service, whatever it was he was trying to sell, he was green. You know, he was new. He was not a a good salesman. He was like 18 years old, I'm guessing. And as a result, he didn't, he, he wasn't a natural, nor had he developed the finesse of an effective salesman. But some people are very good. Some people are very smooth, but they're still 
less human to you when you know what they're trying to do. And there's something actually more disturbing about that when you know somebody is a very effective salesman and you almost want to like them, but you also know that it's camouflage. You also know that it's psychological camouflage where this guy, he's very likable. You know, I like this car salesman. I really, I like this guy and I think he likes me. The way this car salesman is acting, he's making me feel, you know, good. He likes me. He's, oh, he, he knows the right compliments to make. He seems to know what I want. You know, that's a form of camouflage, and we don't really recognize it as that because it's verbal, it's psychological, but it is a form of camouflage in the same way that a targeted ad on a social media platform camouflages itself as just another post in your feed. Oh, hey, I'm just another post in your feed. The words we use today. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know, and camouflage, I want to get out of this advertising talk, but it, it, this is what made me think about psychological camouflage this morning. This is what made me think about psychological camouflage this morning. But, it, you know, you think about the phrase, and I hate to use this phrase, but it's something that everybody immediately understands, which is a, uh, a sheep in wolves, or wolf in sheep's clothing. I mean, it could be either one. As far as the point I'm about to make goes, it really could be either one, but the common one is a wolf in sheep's clothing. You know, a, a car salesman in your best friend's clothing. Basically, somebody who has some sort of nefarious intent but appears benign. We all understand it, and I, I really don't like to use that phrase, but, you know, the whole wolf in sheep's clothing phrase. But if I only stuck to words and phrases I liked, there'd be nothing I could say ever. I'd be so limited. People would think that I had brain damage if I only used words and phrases that I genuinely liked. Actually, all I would ever say, if I only used words and phrases that I liked, I would only ever say, my name is Benito Mussolini Gasolini, and I'm the fuel for your Lamborghini. So tell the girl in the bikini to bring me an apple teeny. I would just say that over and over again. It's the only thing I actually truly find pleasure in, as far as verbal communication goes. Now, it would be kind of like the Princess Bride... If I only stuck to things that I want to say, it would be like in The Princess Bride when uh, Inigo Montoya starts repeating, my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepared to die. You know, when he just says that over and over again, it just it's dramatic and it's effective, except my version would be, I'm Benito Mussolini Gasolini, I'm the fuel for your Lamborghini, so tell the girl in the bikini to bring me an Apple teeny. I would just be saying that over and over again. And if you think I say that a lot, and it's been a while since I said it, I mean, that's a phrase that goes back. That, I've been saying that for years, just in case anybody tries to, to lay claim to it. I invented it. I've been saying it for years. But it's so ingrained in me that I can rap it. And I don't like to rap, trust me. 
Uh, but I would just repeat that over and over again if I stuck to words and phrases I like. But anyway, uh, just saying I don't I don't like saying wolf in sheep's clothing. But and of course, sheep in wolf's clothing seems to be more common. Seems to be more common and less commented on. And both are a form of camouflage. You know, the the wolf camouflages himself as something more friendly or harmless. But it's interesting how the opposite might even be more common. How someone who is harmless and, dare I say, weak, camouflages themselves as something dangerous or strong, whatever they're trying to do. I mean, a good example of that is just any punk rock teenager, any metalhead, anybody who's part of some subculture, you know, I think about people who try to look like bikers. You know, it's like there's so many people who it's like, I want to look like a, a Harley Davidson riding biker. And sometimes those people, but they're really just like into heavy metal. And I use the example a lot of leather jackets, because there's something about leather jackets where if somebody isn't, if somebody hasn't grown into a place in their life where they can wear a leather jacket, it just does not look right. It's like my friend Miles said, and I've brought this up before, the leather jacket is wearing them. And when I see somebody like that, when I see somebody who has purchased their first leather jacket, sometimes they look like they're wearing a cartoon article of clothing. Like, they look like a normal human being in the real world, but they look like they're wearing one article of clothing that was pulled out of a cartoon and placed on their body. It's almost like, you know, Roger Rabbit, where there's this, you know, blend of cartoon and reality. That's what it looks like when someone buys a leather jacket off the rack their first, not even necessarily off the rack. Like it doesn't have to be a brand new leather jacket. I could have found it at a thrift store. Could be a hand me down. But when somebody just isn't at a point in their life when they can convincingly wear a leather jacket, and that's a form of camouflage. Like when someone decides to wear a leather jacket, but they're not ready for it, and maybe they never will be. But when they're not ready for it, they're trying to camouflage themselves. You know, people trying to look like a badass is a form of camouflage. It's the sheep and wolves' clothing. It's a form of camouflage. And leather jackets, though, for some reason, that one always stands out to me because you always notice a leather jacket. You always notice when somebody is wearing a leather jacket, and if you've known somebody you know, as something other than a leather jacket wearer, and they suddenly start wearing one, it's almost like they got a dramatically different haircut or something. And there's a part of you that wants to say, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? You look like you wear Did you pull that thing out of a cartoon? It looks like somebody... It looks like you were standing there in the flesh... And a cartoonist drew that on you. But it's, it's something people do. I mean, it's the phrase, let's just go, let's keep going on this phrase. You know, a sheep in wolves' clothing. When I see somebody covered in tattoos, they've grown their hair long, maybe they have a beard, they have a, they're wearing a leather jacket. 
more often than not, if they're if if they're from my generation specifically, if they're a millennial, I think, okay, okay, I, yeah, I know, I I know what you're all about. You're role playing, because role playing, you know, it, when you try to make role playing something other than role playing, like if you're just if you're actually LARPing, if you're like, let's get together at the park and pretend to be demons and wizards and knights and role play that's one thing but so often role playing is something we do in real life and we don't want people to call us out on it and you can make yourself go crazy and see everything as a form of role play and I've already done that I've already gone crazy probably 200 times over in recognizing everything as a form of role play to the point where it just seems silly to point it out. But I notice it specifically when when somebody kind of gets a makeover. You know, a makeover is a form of role play, and it's also a form of camouflage. And, uh, you know, you see it, though, when people try to look like their idols, especially if their idols are sort of gritty or rugged in some way. And you know the difference. I mean, when you see real bikers... You know, the traditional biker from a biker gang, a one percenter, three percenter, whatever it is. I don't know the percentage. I don't I don't care what percentage of bikers are outlaws. I couldn't care less. Um but when you see like a real one, you know. They just have that look, they have that demeanor. And that's the thing. You can always fake it until you make it. I mean, I know people who have worn that cartoon leather jacket where you immediately just go, Come on. And then 10 years later, they're doing it because they've been living it long enough. That now they, whereas previously they were just pretending to be an alcoholic, now they're a real alcoholic and their leather jacket fits them. You know, sometimes you can eventually become that thing. So, uh, I mean, a sheep in wolves' clothing. Eventually, that sheep, maybe they can actually become a wolf. Maybe they can transform into a real wolf if they just play the game long enough. Or at the very least, they, you know, they eventually start doing all of the, th- all of the things a wolf does. But camouflage is just, it's something that we have a strong desire to do, and we do it physically. You know, we wear clothes that communicate, you know, what, you know, something that we want to be. We want to appear a certain way. We want people to perceive us a certain way, and that's camouflage. And sometimes it does work. Sometimes, you know, when you camouflage yourself, it does work. You know, even though I'm pointing out all these times where you're like, oh, come on. Oh, you dress that way now? Oh, you're trying to be this? Oh, you're role-playing? You're LARPing? You know, even though that's easy to see, it's like there are times where people effectively do it. I mean, I remember trying to do it. I think I was in seventh or eighth grade where, you know, I went through a phase where I was kind of like, well, you know, maybe I will just, I don't even think it was conscious. I don't think I sat there and, you know, went over my options, but I just, I had bought some clothes that were more um, like jock clothing. I don't know. I don't know what they were. It was like like a polo sport shirt, a shirt that said polo sport across the chest, some some clothes like that. And, you know, I don't know, I was probably 
probably just wanting to to feel normal. I was, but it was camouflage. I mean, because I've never been normal, as if that needs to be said. Uh, and uh, you know, I think I, it, you know, you go through phases where sometimes you just want to be perceived as normal, and that's something that actually I try to use to my advantage, even though it's also what I want. But I'm very into the blank slate approach to going out into the world. Like, I'm somebody who doesn't want to go out in the world and have people go, now there's a guy with some uh, niche interests. Now there's a guy who's part of a subculture. You know, I don't want to go out in the world and have people know that about me. Partially because that's not me. So I'm very much into appearing as a blank slate. And if that means, you know, just wearing gym shirts and uh, gym shorts, excuse me, gym shirts, gold's gym shirts. No, I don't have any of those. Uh, But if that means going out into the world and just wearing like gym shorts and white t-shirts, that's fine. I don't don't know. I'm not at this point. That's just what I like to wear. Uh, But I on a philosophical level. Because all of your clothing choices are philosophical. I do like that it also kind of camouflages me. So, uh, you know, being a blank slate can be a form of camouflage, too. Appearing boring. I mean, I think that's what I'm getting at, is I'm somebody who, in many ways, likes to appear as boring as possible. And maybe it's not even camouflage. Maybe I truly am boring, and I'm just convincing myself it's camouflage to hide the fact that, yes, I'm a boring person. But I think there's something to be said for appearing boring. You know, just slipping around, sliding around without people noticing you. Because that's the interesting thing about this sheep and wolves clothing idea that I'm talking about is it's a form of camouflage because you're trying to appear to be something other than what you are and maybe fit in with a certain identity, but it's one that is based around wanting people to notice you. You know, when you, uh, you know, in, in 2003, you had a mop top and... Uh, you know, wore girl jeans. And then in 2015, you grew your hair out and you're covered in tattoos and you wear a leather jacket and you have a beard. You're camouflaging yourself as something that you want to be. But you're also saying, I want to be noticed. I want, I may be camouflaging myself, but it's sort of an anti-camouflage because it, it makes people notice you. You stand out more. And so true camouflage hides you. You know, and of course there are all these stupid jokes people make about military camouflage clothing, like, I can't see you. You're wearing, uh, oh, you're wearing uh, camo shorts? I can't see you. I can't see your legs. (laughs) You know, there's that joke that people make. Uh, Because of course you can see real, of course if someone's wearing camo pants, They don't suddenly blend in with the jungle or the woods. And I like camo clothing. You know, I do. I've always been attracted to camo clothing. Um, But uh, it's, it's just people always make those jokes when you wear it. People make those highly original jokes. I can't even see you. 
oh my hey, hey. you know it, it's i don't need to keep doing that but um but the interesting thing about the idea of camouflage is it's designed to make you not noticed so it's interesting that as humans, we camouflage ourselves in certain ways that actually make us more noticed. And maybe in that way, camouflage is the wrong word. But we're still hiding something. When we try to appear a way to get, you know, that gives us attention or makes us see you. You know, when we do some, when we wear certain clothes or act a certain way because we want people to perceive us a certain way. We're, we're hiding who we truly are, so we're camouflaging that boring person. We're camouflaging that norm, that very normal person under tattoos or leather or whatever it is. A jean jacket. So there's always something being hidden. And I want to get into, you know, this is, I wanted to talk about psychological camouflage. And so far, this episode has just been about fashion and clothing. But psychological camouflage, and, and I, of course, behind all physical camouflage, is psychological camouflage. Not to blow your mind or anything. But, uh, you know, it does fit into that idea of appearing more boring than you are. It does fit into that idea of a salesman appearing to be your friend. You know, it's it does fit into that idea. Um, but uh, with psychological camouflage, it's also in many of our actions. You know, I've used the example on here recently about the time that I donated money to Planned Parenthood so that my girlfriend wouldn't hate me. In 2016, and there I said the name of the organization. In the, in the episode where I talked about that, I specifically omitted the name of the organization, but I just needed a little bit of time. I donated money to Planned Parenthood in 2016 so that my girlfriend would stop hating me, and she saw through it. I was trying to camouflage myself. I was trying to appear sensitive to the things that she cared about. And she saw right through it. She saw the camouflage for what it was. I thought that I was putting on, you know, a nice leaf print that would make me blend in with the the fall woods. You know, I thought I was wearing a nice hunter camouflage outfit. And my girlfriend basically said to me, I see you. I can see you. She basically communicated that to me. And God bless her for it, you know, because that was, it was a stupid thing for me to do. And I, I really, I was attempting to camouflage myself in a way. Not because, you know, here's the thing I'll say too, because since I named the organization Planned Parenthood, and I have a joke, sort of a joke related to that in a second here. But here's the thing I'll say about Planned Parenthood is I don't give a shit about it. And in saying that, someone would hear that and think, Oh, so you're anti-abortion. Oh, you're anti-abortion, huh? And it, No, I don't give a shit about it. It's funny how things are defined so that if you're not explicitly in favor of something, if you're not explicitly in favor of something, you are opposed to it. Or if you say you don't give a shit about it. 
that comes across as antagonism. And of course, me emphasizing the words that way, I don't give a shit. That, of course, has a nasty sound to it. Uh, but the rea- I, I could say it another way. Oh, I don't give a shit about it. I don't care about it. But even saying that, somebody would hear that and say, oh, you don't care about Planned Parenthood. You fundamentalist right wing. Oh, you're trying to control my body? You don't care about Planned Parenthood? Look at you trying to control my body. You know, it's like... Uh, Someone will will hear that and think that way. And the truth is, I still feel that way. I felt that way then, which is why I was trying to, you know, camouflage myself as somebody who passionately cares about Planned Parenthood because my far-left girlfriend would maybe stop resenting me if I donated money to them. And she knew I didn't give a shit, and she saw the camouflage, she saw the outline of my body. I thought I was wearing a nice camouflage outfit, I spent a lot of money on it, on it at the sporting goods store, and she was like, I can still see your outline, I can still see the shape of you, you know? She knew I didn't give a shit about that place that I gave money to. And, uh, you know, I still would say I don't give a shit about it. You know, I'm not, as I've said before, you know, since I love to get controversial on here, my attitude on abortion is that it should be avoided. But because people are going to get abortions, because people are going to have abortions, they should be able to do it safely. But people should also be taught to have some responsibility. People should be responsible for their behavior. And I know that women don't take abortion lightly, although some do. You know, I saw a, an image online of a girl who bought earrings that say abortion on them. And I wonder what her political beliefs are, guys. I wonder what she believes. She bought these hoop earrings that say abortion on them. I wonder where she falls politically. I wonder what her stance is on A, B, C, and D. I wonder where she, I wonder how many boxes on this checklist she checks off as far as sociopolitical beliefs go. So there are people who satanically celebrate abortion, but I've known women who have had abortions and I know it wasn't something they took lightly. So just because there's an Etsy store that sells pro abortion, not just, you know, not just pro-choice, but these are actually pro-abortion earrings, a phrase that I never thought I would say, pro-abortion earrings, but there, she got them from an Etsy store, I guess, and there's, so there's an Etsy store that does sell pro-abortion earrings. But that said, I mean, just because there is one Etsy store that sells pro-abortion earrings, and I saw photos of a girl who purchased them and showed them off to the world to get points with her friends, with her peer group, that doesn't mean that all women are that it's not that doesn't mean that all women treat abortion that lightly and I know from women I know that they don't. And as I said, I think that it should be a legal option because we know what happens when it is not a legal option and I believe that's far more horrific in certain ways. 
So, you know, that's how I feel. But I also feel people should take responsibility. And this is going to sound controversial, but my attitudes these days, my attitude, my single attitude, not my multiple attitudes, my single attitude these days is that you should have sex with people who you think could potentially be a suitable father. You know, if you well, if you're if you're a woman, you should have sex with men who you think could, in theory, be a suitable father. And if you're a man, you should have sex with women who you think would be a suitable mother. Is it is it going to work out that way a hundred percent of the time? No, it's a guideline. It's the most distant shore. It's the Buddhist most distant shore. It's a goal, but it's not necessarily one that you can realize. I mean, I'm not going to tell people, oh, it's like every time you, you sleep with somebody, you should be doing so. You know, I mean, because that, that easily becomes like, oh, no sex before marriage and this and that or, you know, I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't feel so strongly about it that it's like I'm trying to tell people what to do in their private lives. But as a basic guideline, I don't think you can forget what sex is and the purpose that it serves. And you should, somewhere in the back of your head, have that in mind when getting down with somebody. When you're getting down with somebody, you should have somewhere in the back of your mind, is this person potentially a suitable father or mother. Just a basic guideline, but um, people will camouflage themselves. Some people might appear. I mean, they people will trick you. People will camouflage themselves as a suitable father figure. People will camouflage themselves as a suitable mother figure, which is why you need life experience, and it's why... You're going to end up sleeping with people who probably aren't suitable mother or father figures for your potential child. It's why there is no perfection to this. And, and it's just a general... My, my, my beliefs have just led me here. You know, it's not like this is a hard-line stance I have. But I'm only talking about this because I, I admitted that I donated money to Planned Parenthood, even though I didn't give a shit about them, and I was trying to camouflage myself in some weird way. I was committing, uh, you know, I was committing a dishonest act in trying to camouflage myself as a Planned Parenthood supporter. And I wasn't a hypocrite, because it's not like I was one of these people out there protesting Planned Parenthood. But it was just something that I tried. I tried to camouflage myself as a Planned Parenthood supporter. I was trying to use that as some sort of love potion. I was trying to, uh, you know, it, it was a love potion. Speaking of which, I, I was walking the other day. You know, I, I use the example of love potions a lot on this show. I use love potions as an example of something that you use to try to get a certain result to get someone to love you, to get someone to like you, and then usually it has an unintended side effect or even the opposite 
consequence of what you were intending to use that love potion for. Oh, you wanted the popular girl. You wanted the head cheerleader to like you, so you gave her a love potion, and now she's stalking you, and you're scared. You know, that's one of the ver- one of the variations of the love potion gone wrong story. But I was walking the other day, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and I walked by a house, and they had a little bottle sitting at the edge of their yard, and a little sign, like a tiny, like a scrap of paper that somebody turned into almost like a little placard, and it said love potion on it. And I believe the bottle was empty, so maybe they were making some kind of statement. I didn't stop. I I thought about stopping. I thought about even taking a picture, simply because I referenced love potions so often. But I, I, I think I was with somebody. I think I, I can't remember. Yeah, I think I was with somebody, so I didn't want to stop and have to explain why I was paying so much attention to this love potion in someone's yard. But it was interesting. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things that are interesting. Is walking by somebody's yard, and I mean, I think they had other little things like somebody's kid might have made it. You know, when you you just see random stuff in someone's yard. I mean, I have a friend who makes fairy gardens where she puts uh, miniatures and other cute little things in her yard and calls them fairy gardens. So it might have been something kind of like that. But it was this little bottle, and I couldn't see if there was actually anything in it or not. But it's kind of a weird thing to put at the edge of your yard with a little sign that says love potion. Like, is it something, are you supposed to take it? Is it a statement? Was it empty? Do you see the love potion bottle as half empty or half full? I can tell you all about, you know, the kind of, I can tell you, I can tell if you're a romantic or not based on whether you see the love potion bottle as half empty or half full. Is it something like that? Was it not a love potion at all? Because, you know, you think about that, it's kind of like a cartoon camouflage where in cartoons, when a character camouflages themselves as something, they're obviously not it, but they'll be holding a sign that says it. It's like uh, the cat, you know, I, I don't even, this is just the only thing that comes to mind. I can't, I don't know if this actually happened on an episode of Tom and Jerry, but you'll see things like Tom will pretend to be a mailbox or he opens his mouth up wide inside of a mailbox or something and he holds a sign that says mailbox with the idea that Jerry will like put a letter in there and get eaten. I don't think that ever happened. I'm just trying to think of an example. But you see that in Tom and Jerry style cartoons where it's like, oh, Tom's going to open his mouth wide and pretend to be something other than a cat's mouth. And he'll hold a sign that says tunnel to cheese, cheese tunnel. With the idea that Jerry will run into that tunnel only for the jaws to clamp shut. But yeah, cartoon characters, when they're camouflaged, because cartoons are so silly, who knew? Who knew cartoons were so silly? But because they're so silly, yeah, like the character, when he camouflages or pretends to be something other than what he is, he'll even hold a sign that says that. So maybe that love potion was a hate potion. I mean, who's going to trust a love potion that has a little sign with a handwritten note in front of it that says love potion? Because that's what it said. Just so you're not confused, because if that little bottle was sitting there with no sign, I wouldn't know what it was. I wouldn't know it was a love potion. 
So they had to let they had to let people walking by their house know that it was a love potion. I probably put more thought into that house's love potion than the residents who placed it there did. But that's what happens when you think about love potions all the time. It's a love po- it's a love potion world we're living in. But um anyway, you know it's it's just we you know that's what we try to do. You know, uh, I don't know. Let's get back to let's get back here. Um, let's rewind a little bit. Uh, but yeah, you know, psychological camouflage. It's when you try to, you know, it's sort of when you buy flowers. I mean, like that's the thing is this is the world we live in. Is me donating money to Planned Parenthood to stop my girlfriend from resenting me? That's like the modern version of buying your wife flowers. It's like you did something bad or things aren't going well, so on your way home from work, you buy her tulips. The modern woman wants you to donate money to Planned Parenthood. The modern woman doesn't want tulips or roses. She wants you to donate money to causes that she believes in. But don't fake it, because she'll know. She'll see through your camouflage. She'll see the outline of you no matter how good your camouflage is. So you better really believe it. It's like a, like, basically, like, it's like buying flowers. Like, my attempt to donate money to Planned Parenthood and my girlfriend seeing through it, it, it's kind of like buying flowers for your wife because you upset her and then you hand them to her and she smashes them in your face, throws them in your face, hits you with them. That's kind of what that is. Love potions, flower, <laughs> your wife hitting you with flowers. This is a, I feel like this episode is giving great insight into how I see the world. And speaking, the last thing I'm going to say about Planned Parenthood, because I'm sick of talking about it, but I feel there's a part of me that feels relief in admitting the organization that I donated money to in 2016. Because I didn't say the name of the organization in the previous episodes, the fact that I've now said it gives me a sense of relief. It's like confession. I feel like that I've confessed something. But just the last thing I'll say, which is really funny, is when I was a little kid, I was in elementary school, I had never heard of Planned Parenthood, as I shouldn't. You know, thank God I hadn't heard of it. But a friend of mine had, and he was this kid, he was a redneck. He was my, I, I kind of consider him my token redneck friend. Some people have token friends of different races. I had a token redneck friend, and we were really good buddies for many years when we were kids, and I went hunting with them. They really taught me a lot about what it means to be a pagan, because as I've said before, rednecks are the real pagans. Pagans aren't these overeducated people who pretend to be druids and have rituals and fields and try to live the lives their ancestors lived. Because real pagan people in ancient times, they were just using what was available to them. And a real pagan today is going to do the same thing, which is what rednecks do. Rednecks will like use rednecks will be on their smartphone while they're skinning a deer. Because they just use what's available to them. And that's what I learned from these people. This, My token redneck friend and his wonderful family, 
is that I, I learned that, oh, rednecks just use whatever's available to them. You know, everything is earth to them. And that makes them real pagans. And they don't overthink it. They don't think, I'm skinning the deer to show, while I skin the deer, I'm going to light candles and show my appreciation. They just skin the deer. And then go watch TV. But they also have, they're just in it. They're just, when it comes to life, they're just in it. And that's paganism to me. But but anyway, uh, my friend, my token redneck friend, one day he goes, yeah, there's this thing called, and, and even though they lived in western Washington, they talked with kind of a twang. And he, he was like, yeah, even though, uh, even though, no, he, he said, uh, there's this thing called planet parenthood, and they teach people, like, how to raise kids and, like, uh, about sex, and they, you can get condoms there. And he called it planet parenthood. And he had a speech impediment and also a, a slight learning disability. Like, he had trouble with reading and certain words. You know, like, he was smart in his own way, you know, when it came to practical things. But he had some issues, some cognitive issues when it came to, yeah, things like reading or understanding phrases and words. So he would often get things wrong. According to who? Wrong according to who? He's he's the real pagan. Who's to say he's wrong? No, but he would get things wrong. So like a great example would be he told me about planet parenthood, which made sense. The way he explained what it was made sense. It's like a place where people plan. It's it's a it's like it's a it's a place where people like figure I don't know I mean just it just makes sense I don't need to explain why it makes sense but even if even if he explained planned parenthood exactly as it is it still makes sense to call it planet parenthood but that gave me a whole different visual of it when he said planet parenthood cuz I mean there was a restaurant around that time called planet hollywood it was a restaurant that was started by Hollywood celebrities. They had one in Seattle that I went to a couple times. It was basically like an attempt at Hard Rock Cafe where you could, oh, you, you, you go eat a shitty pizza, a pizza, you go, you go eat a shitty pizza at Planet Hollywood and you buy a t-shirt. It was like, it was that sort of experience. Uh, kind of like the Hard Rick Cafe. The Hard Rick Cafe. It was kind of like that. And so I think I had that idea of like, well, there's Planet Fitness. I don't know if that was around then, but we, we you know, there's tons of things that use that. Planet Hollywood, Planet Fitness. Why not Planet Parenthood? Why not Planet Parenthood? The way this kid explained it to me makes sense. And I think it's beautiful that my token redneck friend, a.k.a. True Pagan, is the first person who ever told me about Planned Parenthood. I like that. Sometimes I sometimes I want to. Sometimes things are better based on who the messenger is. <laughs> you know, there's the whole idea of shoot the messenger. Since we're talking about so many cliches here, there's shoot the messenger. But sometimes it's just like 
if the if the right person tells you something, it just makes it that much better. And the fact that I can trace my entire knowledge of the mere existence of planned parenthood, aka planet parenthood, the fact that I can trace that back to this kid, that this kid planted that seed that bloomed in the form of flowers that I attempted to give my girlfriend via donation to Planet Parenthood. I don't know. You, you see what I'm getting at. I thought there was going to be more camo talk. I thought this episode was about psychological camouflage. It is. It is. And that is just one example of the way that we do it. That is one example of psychological camouflage. It's It's something we're really doing constantly. And... It's going on heavily right now. And I guess I always wonder why people are so easily tricked. You know, I've known a number of people in this community. I haven't known them necessarily, but I've heard of a number of friends of friends, acquaintances of acquaintances who have been, let's say, feminists, leftists, and it's come out that they're domestic abusers or even sex uh, criminals. And every time it happens, someone's like, I can't believe it. I knew him. He said and did all the right things. He, he, how could this be? How could, how could this be? He said he was a feminist and he hits women. You know, people are always shocked. And of course, if you know and like someone, it's shocking when they do a horrible thing. But people seem to have a hard time getting around the fact that somebody expressed social or political opinions yet was this other thing and people on the right wing or people who simply don't believe in those things as passionately they see that and they're like I'm not surprised at all oh this dude who wanted to fit in with this dude who was using the social currency in a among a certain crowd of people who, who said and did all the right things turned out to be manipulative and he turned out to be something other than what he said he was. Oh, I'm shocked. But then it happens on the other end of the spectrum too. It's like I always think of Ted Haggard, the anti-gay pastor, and it turns out he's smoking meth and sleeping with men. I'm guessing he didn't see those men as potential fathers of his children. When Ted Haggard smoked meth and slept with men, I would guess that he wasn't sitting there thinking, hmm, I wonder if these men uh, would be potential, potentially good fathers of my children. I'm guessing he wasn't thinking that. But that's the right-wing version. So, you know, because I've seen this happen and experienced it to some degree in a primarily leftist community doesn't mean that it's a leftist phenomenon. And, I, and it would be disingenuous of me to say that, oh, look, men pretend to be feminists and, it, and they turn out to be rapists and wife beaters. So therefore, all men who claim to be feminists are that. You know, I would never say that. It's disingenuous. But it shows you that people will use any and every avenue they can to camouflage themselves. And it may not even be deliberate. Maybe these men really do think they are that thing that they are acting out, that they are role-playing. But they just have this darkness inside of them that they haven't worked out. 
They don't know about the Jungian shadow. Now there's a guy who doesn't who has not done his shadow work. Now there's a guy who has not done his his Jungian shadow work. There's a guy who hasn't gone through the process of individuation. Now there's a guy who hasn't gone through the process of individuation. <laughs> At the or you know it could be that. It could be something where the guy doesn't even want to be a monster. And he he really wanted to be a feminist. But he didn't have control of the monster within. So he really wasn't purposely trying to camouflage himself so that he could do something nasty or manipulative. But there are plenty of guys who do that. There are plenty of guys who pretend to be that thing. Hey, oh, saying I'm a feminist allows me to get closer to women? I don't have to just get a tattoo and and wear a leather jacket. I don't have to pretend to... I don't have to... So wait, you're telling me I don't have to donate money to Planned Parenthood? I can just say I'm a feminist and and I'll get to be around women? You know, there's predators like that, of course. And then, of course... But just because I've experienced more of that in... I hate to say I'm not I'm really not a part of any kind of community, but let's just say the community that people I know are a part of. <laughs> uh the community that people I know are a part of. Uh the people I know are part of communities. They they need that in their lives. I'm not. But uh you know, I'll, I've seen it happen time and time again where they're so shocked. He's he's a he 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 voted for Obama. He voted for Obama, and he and he, you know, he said something uh, mean to the Planned Parenthood protester. Oh, we were walking by the Planned Parenthood protesters, and he gave him the middle finger. How could he be a sex offender? It's like that because he is, because he is. But yeah, just because I've seen more of that. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist in every avenue. It really does. I mean, it's it's why we see these fundamentalist Christians who turn out to be anything and everything but that. It's why Ted Haggard, you know, was anti-gay but turned out to be gay. And it goes into the whole, like, thou doth protest too much. My version of thou doth protest too much is thou doth wear too much camouflage. <laughs> Thou doth wear too much camouflage. You're trying too hard to blend in. I don't know if that actually plays out when you're hunting. When you're hunting. I don't know if that plays out in the field. I don't know if animals see a guy who's just totally decked out. He's got, he glued plants to his outfit. He's wearing, you know, full body camo. He's got his face painted up. He's got the fake foliage on him. He's also gluing ferns to his body. You know, if I were a deer, I would be like, you know, you're trying too hard. You're trying too hard. You know, but in terms of people, I don't know if deer see it that way. I don't know if that actually plays out in the field. You know, there might be a philosophy in hunting where you can never wear too much camouflage. But for the sake of society, as far as a human being operating in society, you know, my version of thou doth protest too much is 
thou doth wear too much camouflage. There reaches a point where you're trying too hard to appear a certain way, where you're trying too hard to blend in. Because I think there's something wrong when somebody doesn't have a few warts. Because that would be, you know, when I was, when I used to hang out with my super far left friends, which doesn't happen, not just because of quarantine, but it's just happened less and less as things have become, as, as the world has just become obsessed with those things. And I talk about them a lot on here. Uh, much to my regret, but I don't, I don't know what else to, I don't know, I don't know what else to do. Um, but, uh, like I noticed, uh, you know, things would come up where I would say, oh yeah, I don't agree with that. And, you know, at the time things were less intense. So sometimes I would be like, oh yeah, I don't agree with that. Like I remember having a conversation with friends, we were drinking, at a bar, and it the conversation came up that men and women are exactly the same. It's society that conditions them otherwise, and the conversation was physical, like it was it was in relation to you know the physical actions of men and women. And I was just like, yeah, I don't believe that. That's not true. Not to say there aren't variables, not to say that it's all black and white, but I was just like, yeah, I don't believe that. You know, and and there was a little bit of, you know, there was a little bit of heat on the discussion, but everybody respected each other and it just, it ended. Uh, But uh, if I wanted to blend in, if I wanted to be manipulative, I would have said, I agree. I agree. And that's something that people should take to heart, is that your friends shouldn't agree with you all the time. Your acquaintances shouldn't agree with you. Nobody should. I mean, that's one thing that stands out about a, an effective salesman. An effective salesman will find a way to convince you that they are always in agreement with you. Meanwhile, they are the one who's leading you. They make you think that you're running the show. Meanwhile, they are the one guiding you the entire time. And they seem to be nodding and agreeing. And it's dangerous when someone only ever agrees with you. Contrast is important. And of course, there are some things that... Are, you know, there's some contrast that is too sharp. Like you're hanging out with somebody and they're like, well, I, I, you know, I think pedophilia is okay. That should be a moment where you go, okay, yeah, this is, that's too much. That should be a moment where you just go, okay. You know, it's such an obvious one. I mean, here's another one. It's if somebody says, you know, I think audiophiles are okay. You go, oh, no. No way. Listen, this, this guy, I thought he was my friend. It turns out he's, he's not only pro-audiophile, I think he himself is an audiophile. He's an audiophile, dude. Put him on the list. Put him on the registry. He's an audiophile. I can't be friends with him. You know, there are situations like that where somebody's beliefs or actions are so egregious 
that, yeah, you have to sever them from your life. You maybe have to do something about it even. Maybe they are a threat. But none of your, you know, be aware of, of people hiding their warts. You know, be aware of that. When somebody is camouflaging themselves too much, because there's no way that you can agree with everybody you know about everything. And we have this tendency to mirror each other. We have this, uh, we, there's this false harmony that develops between people where when you're spending a lot of time with somebody, you might nod along to something they say that you actually don't agree with. And maybe it's because it's not important enough to have that discussion. But people will test you and tempt you. And I think it's disingenuous to nod along if you don't agree. You don't have to say anything in return. I mean, when somebody is testing or tempting you, especially with something that is heated, like a heated sociopolitical topic, I mean, it happens to me all the time with uh, Donald Trump's felt, where people will be like, you know, somebody who I've never talked to about politics. In fact, it's happened with my mom's friends. You know, since my mom passed away, you know, some of her friends, they're just kind of like these moderate Democrat women, and they're all sweethearts, most of them. But I'll be talking to them when I've talked to them, and they'll be like, well, yeah, kind of like the current president, huh? Kind of like that guy, kind of like the guy in the, in the White House, eh? eh? And they're, they're kind of like, I don't even feel like they're testing me, but they're wanting to launch into that conversation where you sit there and you talk about Donald Trumpsfeld. They're like, yeah, we'll be talking about cats. We'll be talking about the sun. <laughs> we'll be talking about mountains. And they'll be like, well, yeah, well, I, I, I just can't wait till they get that guy out of the White House, you know. <laughs> don't you agree? <laughs> you know, but it, it is a form of test or something. And I just don't say anything. I just don't say anything. I don't, I don't give a shit. You know, I don't give a shit. It's kind of like with, with uh, Planet Parenthood. I don't give a shit. And in saying I don't give a shit, that makes me seem like I'm the enemy or something. It makes it seem like maybe, oh, oh, because you're not explicitly agreeing with me or supporting the thing that I care about, that means you're my enemy. You know, that's the sort of idea, but... You know, with that, with that one, with like these political tests and temptations, it's so important to these people. This, this thing is something that consumes so much of their life, and they really do feel that it affects the fundamental nature of everything they do in life. Like people who tempt you with that... Yeah, well, uh, it's a beautiful day, and uh, it sure would be more beautiful without that guy in the White House. It sure would be more beautiful without that guy in the White House. It's like, that person's fundamental reality is being impacted by that guy at every waking moment of their life. And that's why they bring it up to you. It's not because they're terrible people. Of course not. Most of them are. Some of them are. Most of them are. Some of them are. Uh, but it's not because of that. It's just because this thing, whether it's true or not, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. 
I'm always willing to be wrong. I'm always willing to have warts. I got some warts. Uh, you know, it's it's that where it's, but it's. I would just say, beware of anybody who is hiding their warts. You can get them removed. You can get them removed. You can get those warts removed. Uh, but you know, beware of anybody who's hiding their warts. And they may not be warts. You know, it's the sort of thing. You know, like I'm talking about. Sometimes you'll be talking to friends, and because we have this desire to achieve this false harmony because we think that it'll cause problems without it, and it does. Some people just aren't mature enough. You know, I'm not a misanthrope, but I do see people as less mature than they could be. <laughs> and Quote me on that. Please, quote me on that. I'm not a misanthrope. I just see people as less mature than they could be. That's kind of what it, that's kind of how I feel though. When it's it's like sometimes if you don't achieve that false harmony in conversation with somebody, somebody does have some sort of immature meltdown. And it used to happen to me all the time. I mean, just talking about conversations with friends who were on the left, you know, we would be talking about something and they would say like, "Well, you're a feminist, so blah blah blah." And I would say, "Hold hold your horses." Hold your horses. I'd say, I'm not a feminist. And they'd be like, but you you do this, this, and, and this, this is going to sound really self-congratulatory, but they would, they would say to me, like, but you, you say and do this. You treat women well. You, I know what kind of guy you are. I know what you believe. And I would say, yeah, but what about that makes me a feminist? I don't want to belong to something that now, I don't want these things that I believe are, I don't want good conduct to be an ism. And I don't want a set of rules to be assigned to what I see as good conduct. And I'm not perfect either. And so I don't want to set up some sort of, you know, false image of myself where you know, in, if I call myself a feminist, now I have a set of rules I have to follow. Now my good conduct has some sort of agenda. Now if I slip away from my good conduct, even in a small way, suddenly I'm a hypocrite, or suddenly I'm not upholding my values, or if I say something that people don't think is part of whatever the current feminist ideology is, suddenly I become a problem. To me, it seems much better to just have a basic set of values and do some of my values, many of my values, do many of my values correspond to what someone might call feminism? Maybe. I actually don't care. I don't care. I try to live my life with good conduct in mind. And... If I slip away from that good conduct, it's hopefully not going to be anything too egregious, and it hasn't been. I've never done something that is egregiously wrong in a, you know, when it comes to just, you know, the soul. But I don't want to assign an ism to good conduct. 
we can discuss good conduct and discuss what counts as good conduct, but I don't want to assign anything to it. But people had a hard time with that because they are like, no, but you are. Like, I've had conversations with people where they're like, no, but you are a feminist. But you are. But you are. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not. It's like a who's on first conversation. Who's on first? What's on second? You're a feminist. Is <laughs> kind of like that. And, you know, it, but it's like, I don't, I'm not that. I'm a blank slate who just has certain values. And if those values harmonize with yours, even though I'm not calling myself a certain name, and I'm certainly not following all of the rules that that word alleges to contain, you know, you get it. Whoever's listening, whoever's still listening to this, you get it. But if I really wanted to camouflage myself, if I really wanted to fit in, because that's what camouflage is, it's fitting in. And it goes back to something I've been harping on time and time again, which is the desire to be cool, the desire to be liked. That is camouflage. When you desperately want to be cool or liked and you change your behavior accordingly, you are camouflaging yourself. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong, but you are still camouflaging yourself. And that's going on right now. With things being as heated as they are sociopolitically, there are a lot of people camouflaging themselves. And there are a lot of people who are like, oh, look at him. Look at him. He's, he's saying and doing all the right things. What a good guy. What a good guy. Oh, he's, he's, oh, he couldn't possibly be a bad guy. He's going to the protests. He's going to, the, he's going to protests. Did you see what he posted on his, his Instagram? He post, oh, he posted the right image on Instagram. What a great guy. He couldn't possibly be gaming the system. And even if he is, the ends justify the means. Even if he's secretly a bigot who hits women, the fact that he, he posted Me Too and Black Lives Matter on his Instagram, well, that's okay then, right? Because he's spreading the message. No, that's a weak link. That person is, when you have somebody who hits women spreading the message of feminism, camouflaging himself as a feminist, just because he's spreading the message doesn't mean he is doing good. The end doesn't justify the means. That's a weak link. And if you want to get really out there about it, or as I like to say, really in there, that guy's cooking with some bad ingredients, and that's going to come out in the end result. Even if this person is spreading a message that you ultimately agree with, the fact that that person is spreading it is going to cook some black magic in, into it. You know, it's like people who, people always talk about, oh, you, you know, you want, the, you want food cooked by somebody who loves cooking. You want to eat food by somebody who loves what they are doing and is putting love into the food. People have even done scientific experiments with that. I think Dr. Dean Radin did that. One of those guys. Some of these uh, parapsychology people, they have tried to study that, where it's like, oh, if food is cooked with, with some love, it's better for the people who eat it. 
And I think anybody, whether you actually believe that or not, you would prefer that the person who is giving you food, who's cooking you food, likes what they're doing. Just on a basic level, that just sounds better. But some people are trying to prove that there's actually a quantifiable difference. And I tend to lean that way myself. I don't care about the food aspect. Since I don't eat out and I eat the same thing every day, I don't really think about that. But I I do think of it in other ways. And I think about when you add weak links to your chain, and even if they are superficially serving a purpose, they're still weak links. And when it comes to the spirit and the psyche, it doesn't matter whether some... Hey, Batman, Batman. Hey, come on. Come on. Come on. Come here, buddy. Come here. Uh, I'm going to end this soon. But uh, I'm going to end this soon. Uh, But it doesn't matter what they are, what the end result is. They're cooking with something bad. And there are a lot of people doing that right now. There are a lot of people cooking with bad ingredients. There are a lot of people infusing their creations with black magic. And they might not even realize they're doing it. But there are people lying and camouflaging themselves. And they are weak links. And they are practitioners of a very small and boring form of black magic. And be aware of them. Beware of them and be aware. Beware and be aware. Because right now is ripe for this. Right now is ripe for psychological camouflage. Just like ads on Twitter pretend to be posts from people you follow, people you know are camouflaging themselves as something other than what they are and what they claim to stand for. And my personal belief, I wouldn't be able to measure it, but my personal belief is that this is happening right now at a rate that we probably haven't seen it in our lifetimes. And the reason that I believe that is because these issues have never been so omnipresent, intense, and pervasive as they are right now. And, and I have never seen so many people standing on moral hobby horses. I have never seen people making so many bold proclamations about right and wrong and how they themselves are part of this holy right way of living and being. That alone tells me that there is so much camouflage going on. Manipulative camouflage. Psychological camouflage. So keep in mind, when you look around the world right now, when you see what people are doing and saying, remember, thou doth camouflage yourself too much. When someone is trying too hard to do and say all the right things. When they have no warts whatsoever. Beware and be aware. Because that's how you notice camouflage. 
gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children 